Right, here we are down at Manly, and welcome to the first edition of Diary of an Independent Publisher, Greg Ross from The Last Post magazine. And it's my great honour to be here with Dave Warner. That's from the suburbs. And um, he's got a new record out too, a new CD, David Warner, um, from the suburbs called When. I was a bit old now, uh, a bit old now, Greg, but... Um, well, it looks know, new. Well, it is, my, <laughs> it is my most recent full album, put it that way. But yeah. I have actually got a single coming out in two weeks. Um, right, what's that called? Uh, what is that called? Um, yeah, we'll have to think about yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> what Love Really Is is what it's called about. And, Beautiful. Uh, and it's something very un-Warner. Yep. It's, um, it's kind of like a... I've always been inspired by Brian Wilson, and I, I yes, wanted to yes, do a whole yep, album yep. in in Beautiful. what I, if I call coastal songs in his kind of that style. Yeah, yeah. And so this one's a, a little bit like a Brian Wilson type song, and there was a couple of others that I had written years and years ago. One about Brian Wilson. Mm. So if I ever get the time and the money, I'll um, I'll actually do the full album. But but this song is uh, called you know. Uh, what love really is, and it's just a digital release, obviously, as a single. Yeah, so uh, and very unwarner. So all my fans who love what like crutch and Snapchat and or you know, <laughs> well, on this, after on the this, football on the CD <laughs> of when you've got uh, you've got um, yep Snapchat, Lonely Sailor, Woman Who Drowned in Her Own Apartment. So these are interesting titles. I don't think I've seen as interesting titles since the last Guided by Voices album. <laughs> that's incredible. And yeah, that's so, nice. Yeah, and um, so it's a beautiful day here in Manly. And David, you know, of course, I suppose our getting together really started with uh, the release, or at least my knowing about the book Way Out West, which sort of documented music from Western Australia, mm. which, of course, um, my brother and I were there for a couple of years, but you a lot longer, and you had a, a big role in the evolution of Western Australian music. Look, I did in, in one way, in that I think uh, before the suburbs, um, no bands played entirely original, or, or 80 or 90% original uh, playlists mm. that I can think of. No Perth bands. It was very much cover band city. Um, some bands like Bakery had uh, Gold Miles that Lindsay Wells wrote. So bands would have one song that they wrote, and often very good songs. Oh, Gold Miles, did that come from Bakery? Yeah, it did, yeah. Sure. I, um, and uh, Lindsay had written that, um, I think, independently, and then he joined Bakery, and Bakery played it, and then he did it with Healing Force, wasn't it? I That's think right, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, Healing which Force, was, yeah, yeah. Which was his band. So, look, there were odd ones like that, mm. but uh, so in that sense, uh, we were quite pivotal because you, look I, I went to about 20 pubs when we were first playing I knocked on the door of almost every pub in WA and said let us play and, and a lot of the pubs said uh, and I would, I would try and target pubs that I knew we would go well in which were pubs near the coast or near the student areas and yes. they'd say oh well, can you do 11 kilds and I'd say yeah yeah we can do that and of course I had no idea whether we could do that you know that many kegs or not but um so it was very hard, but we got the toehold in there, and very rapidly um, the suburbs built a, a, follow, a large following, and uh, and we cracked a few venues that then venues like the Shenton Park Hotel. These will mean nothing to yes. people who aren't from Perth, but um, they became places that bred a whole new group of um, of original bands. So bands like the Scientists and the Triffids, yes. who are probably these days much better known than what I am. Um, most of my people are died off when they're in nursing homes. <laughs> uh, but, but it kind of set it, it set the uh, scene up for them so that they did have venues that they could play yeah. and an audience that was that had grown used to listening to, um, well, I mean, to original uh, yeah. music. When I, when, 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 when I got over there as a 17-year-old, it was 1974 or something, and 
there was a great amount of good music being played by Perth bands. But of course, when did you first start? Um, when did you first? What year would have been your music? Look, I first started at school. I was playing in garage bands, and so those bands you're talking about in 19, 1970s, um, there were bands like that. I would go and see my friend Johnny Johnson was in a band called Mud. That was a uh, they were like a washboard jug band and folk band. They did lots of great stuff. And Perth always had quite a strong blues personality. But around 1971, 72, I was at uni. I started uni in 71 and. And I thought, I really want to do my own band. And I had very much a vision of it, which was I wanted to be have costumes and be uh, which very different to what was happening with the blues bands yes, and yes, stuff. Yes. I wanted it to be outrageous. I was influenced by bands like the Mothers of Invention mm-hmm. and uh, mm-hmm. Country Joe and the Fish mm-hmm. um, and uh, the Fugs. And so, they would later evolve anyhow through Skyhooks, but, but you actually had the idea before, I well, guess. Well, probably, I, I would say around about almost mm. exactly the same time, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. as, um, as uh, Greg... McCoach from Skyhooks, who was a very dear friend of mine, and, mm-hmm. but I didn't know it. That didn't know him at the time. Mm. But we, I think we we both came to almost the identical thing. I've seen interviews with Greg um, that I felt I've been reading these books of um, music that I, uh, on music critics that I really liked a lot when I was at school. Mm. Um, Nick Cohn was one. Wop up a loop up a lot. Bam boom and, um, uh, and and reading these people who, you know, uh, Grell Marcuse and, and Nick Cohn, and they were all emphasising that the power of uh, contemporary popular music came from the kind of direct relationship that the, the people writing the songs and performing the songs had with their own environment and their own world. Mm-hmm. And that was great for England and the US. Yeah, yeah. But in, in Australia, we were 180 degrees different from that. Uh, we had bands like very good bands like Axiom doing mm. Arkansas Grass mm. uh, we had uh, Show Me The Way To St. Louis and, and you know right. um, yeah, 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 from the yeah. Easy Beats yeah. so um, as, as good as it was it wasn't really it, 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 it wasn't no, definitively yeah, Australian yeah, mm-hmm. and so I I came up with the idea I thought I, I want to do this I want to make it Australian uh, because that's where it's going to be strongest yes but that presented a really big challenge because our life especially in Perth was so boring probably not dissimilar in Adelaide I thought, what can I write about laminex tables, the football and and driving um, up and down up and down deserted streets for hours looking for a party that's exactly what we did in Adelaide that's right, we would drive around and sit down looking for parties and that's when we knew it was time to leave Uh, so that kind Mm -hmm. of formed the basis of what I, I wanted to do in terms of writing songs but in those days I had a few songs I wrote Suburban Boy in 1972 just in my head driving yeah, yeah, the car yeah, to, yeah. to uni yeah. Hot Crutch uh, uh, and a couple of other songs from that period but uh, in terms of what we were performing we were doing some Lou Reed songs Fug songs um, so they were, only, they were about 20% I guess of the repertoire that we did and then around that time in 19. I think it was 1973 and a pus had, I'd been rehearsing a lot and just when I'd get ready to play someone the drummer would have to leave because his girlfriend told him he was spending too much time rehearsing or you know whatever yeah, the, the yeah, bass yeah, player didn't yeah, get on yeah, with the yeah. guitarist the thing that, that yeah incredibly frust- of- incredibly frustrating so we after about I, I reckon two years of rehearsals and stuff we got one gig <laughs> in 1973 and later in 74 pus which was the name of the band um 
we, we started to play much more regularly, but, but when I first saw Skyhooks, we'd done one gig, and um, then I saw the Hooks play, and it was such a very similar concept. Mm-hmm. Not, not, not 100% similar in, in music. Singing about Australian themes. And Australian themes. Dressed up. and Exactly, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Larrikin, kind of rude... Uh, and, and, um, yep. Yep, and yep. directly relating to the audience who was listening to yep. it. And uh, so at, at, by 74, I finished my uni degree and I thought, oh, I, I don't want to go to the Eastern States. There's nothing really, apart from Skyhooks, I thought there's nothing happening there. I might as well go to England and see if I can crack it there. So I actually left, spent a year or so in England. Uh, and while I was there, you know, in those days you could do a demo tape. Mm. And make an appointment with the A and R people because it wasn't like every second person wanted to be a, uh, a rock and roll performer. In that. Not like now, That's where right, every kid out there, every, every you know. Industry. So um, I went to uh, I went to London, and uh, to you some people it was just too just too difficult, Dave. I guess wasn't it? Oh, well, it was. It was. It was really difficult. And as I said, it was. It's like three years of your life to get one gig, you know. And you weren't in those days. You weren't thinking, oh, well, I will. Um, I'll go and I'll do albums and I'll be the next Rolling Stones. You just wanted to perform live. Mm-hmm. But I did think, oh, I've got some songs and an idea I, I want to do. And I went to London and did various rounds of the record companies and didn't get anyone to sign me. But I did write a lot of songs. And it helped me clarify when I was there what I wanted to do when I came back to Australia. And, and it was to take this idea comprehensively mm. of suburban life and, and to make the band and everything about what it was like to be a, a middle-class suburban king in Australia. And so that that's well, and so what what year was this Dave that you're in uh, England? 75 to 76. Okay, okay. So were, were things beginning to change? Um, did you get out to see many groups or I did, I saw a number of a lot of bands uh, there but interestingly it was a very dull and dead time through that through that year 75 yes, had, to 76 yeah, yeah. um yeah, I, I would very it, it was i would I, I enjoyed bands like um bob kerr's whoopie band but there were a lot of the bands the, Kerr, the bands that got were playing pubs review like the Kirstal flyers were very um had a very uh, californian type sound and interestingly, I left London, and I think it was I've got the still got the um, Qantas ticket. I think it was June 26, 1976. Mm. And within weeks, I was living in Brixton. Within weeks of when I left, or months, and you wrote a couple of months, mm. they had the Brixton riots, mm. um, the Sex Pistols, and, and punk, and New Wave became. Exploded. It was angry to Clash wrote about Brixton. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and I could understand because so there were obviously all these people out there like me who were kind of looking for something that had more energy and was more new and it wasn't that there was anything wrong with the bands it was just that the you know the eagles and fleetwood mac did all that stuff anyway so, that's right, so yeah. why, if a, you're english why would you bother that's right it was a it. crossover period yeah. wasn't it, Dave? because that's right we we and, and thank thank god for that but you know um there were good bands and they're still but but we had that exciting um emergence of um the new wave and the post yeah. new wave and everything else so you took what you learnt and these songs that you wrote and you came back to Australia and formed a band yeah yeah, yeah. thank heavens for that yeah that, that was magnificent and that was from the suburbs were they all Perth musos or not uh, originally they all yeah. were funnily enough um, Tony Durant who still plays with me these days mm. I met in when I was in Brixton in 1976 oh, the wow, nurses okay. next door were um a lot of the, one of them had a was going out with a drummer, and so I said, "Look, I need some guys to do a demo for me." And he lived with um, 
guitarist, Tony. So Tony and I became great friends. And when I came and formed the suburbs, was as a five-piece Johnny Leopard, the only guitarist at that point. But uh, we, we very rapidly became pretty popular. And I felt the next step for us was to record. And we just didn't, none of us had enough, enough experience in doing that. And Tony had had experience and, you know, he was, he was good on that. Plus, he was a great guy. Mm-hmm. So Tony came out and he joined the suburbs in 1978 and, and has been part of it ever since. So in a way, he was the first suburb. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and that's he's still going. That's shall, right. shall we move to, a, yeah, you move to another just, location? Just, um, just... Yeah, yeah. And um, so I think... Um, the whole thing, we're just packing up here and moving on after having our coffee, and um, we're going to take a walk around beautiful Manly. Oh, we've got planes, we haven't heard those for a no, while. That's, isn't, that pretty, <laughs> isn't that amazing too? I do like flying, <laughs> for the uh, environment. So um, so with that, and of course Melbourne, what um, had, what did you thought about Melbourne? What, did it evolve the way you thought it would? What, well, um, it was interesting, I, I didn't have an immediate plan to go to the eastern states. Mm. We were doing really well in Perth. And I did a little um, eight-track, live eight-track of uh, gigs at the Victoria Hotel and Chenton Park Hotel, which I started to sell at my gigs in a clear plastic cassette. Mm. And in those days, as you would remember, Greg, I'm sure, young people couldn't afford to fly from one side of the country to the other. It was just too prohibitive. That's why we drove. We drove. <laughs> and right. so people would take my tapes from the gigs. Yeah, yeah. And they'd drive to Melbourne or Sydney and they'd play the tapes to their to oh, their friends. Look, that's funny. I'm just thinking, um, 74 coming across the Nullarbor, I saw John Boyce from the Dingoes at a service station in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> this is right. Everyone drove. Yeah. Yeah, so, you did. Yeah. And, so they'd take the music with them to... The, yeah, and it was look, it was totally organic. And what happened was um, there, there were a couple of DJs who'd been in, in Melbourne playing at, qu- at quite high-profile stations yeah. who had come to the gigs and listened. And um, one of them, Peter Grace... Oh, yes, remember, yep, yep. He, he knew um, uh, Michael Gudinski quite well and other people. And so he started to spread the word. And we, anyway, one day I'm in Gracie, my yes. kitchen in Bicton and the phone rings and it's Michael Gadinsky saying, uh-huh. uh, oh, I've heard your stuff and, you know, you're interested in coming over. So from there, we set about the idea of actually going over and that that required some adjustment. Uh, Hayden, the bass player, didn't want to go to Melbourne at that point. Right. Um, but I did a, a, a kind of reconnaissance trip where I first met Michael come and pick me up in his Celica. He had that, <laughs> just like Derek in uh, Mugs game. <laughs> uh, and uh, he took me to a, a gig at um, the uh, Dallas Brooks Hall. Oh, yes, and, yes, yes. Uh, it was Richard Clapton doing Goodbye Tiger, I think. Right. Had just come out, and The Stars. Oh, and, yes. Uh, I looked at and, and, you know, I thought, gee, whiz, the um, musicianship here is a little bit in advance of what... Uh, <laughs> the uh, suburbs and Dave Warner have got. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, I did know we had to get our act together. Well, stars um, had come across from Adelaide too, of course. Yeah, and, they did. Yeah. yeah, so that was an interesting thing too. And um, did you have an idea? What was the, the idea of growing up in Perth in the 50s or 60s? Maybe we should go down here to get a breath. It's not quite so windy. Yeah. yeah. The idea of um, growing up in Perth in the, in the 50s and 60s, um, what... When did you first get switched on to the idea of forming a band or writing your own material? Did you write from an early age? Yeah, I, um, I think I started... 
I probably started writing poems and lyrics that you then try to make a, a tune to. Yes. Back when I was at school, probably when I was 15. Yes. Something like that, you know. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty early age, uh, Greg. I, I think... Did you show them to anyone or did you just keep oh, it to yourself? Right. Yeah, we had, well, I had little garage bands with my friends. Yeah, mate, uh, I'm just going to put this coffee over here. Yeah. Um, So, so we might be, I'm just trying to think, because it could be quite windy here and it's just come off the sea. Yes, that's right, yes, uh, yeah. Go back. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to Yeah, yeah, that's right. They'll go, we'll the go people will be looking at us going, didn't they just... Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm just thinking, um, in, the, in the streets on this side, it'll be uh, less windy. Yes, and, that's uh, true too. So, um, so yeah, back to the poetry and the, um, did, did, did you show any of your mates or your family or... Yes, well, um, certainly my friends, because there were three or four of us who would get together in garage bands, and you know, one had just got the little first guitar and the first amplifier, and yeah. and my parents um, very kindly, uh, after I won a Commonwealth scholarship and saved them some money from a school tuition, they uh, bought me a keyboard. <laughs> that was uh, wow, <laughs> an electric organ, a Tesco electric organ. Wow, and um, and that became important to me because while well, I was never a great player of, mm. of the organ, I could actually sit down and write songs. Not have a song, yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah. Um, How brilliant. I, I could work out the chords and, and do the songs, but, um, you know, they, they were still, a lot of them were still fairly rudimentary. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it wasn't probably until... Right, yeah. Probably Thanks, about yeah, yeah. 73, 74, I guess, when I was at uni that I actually started to write more complete songs and, and um, were you emboldened by um the creativity around you um yes you... yeah yeah um perth at that time was was actually incredibly um creative and and in my little time when i was forming the suburbs and growing up people like judy davis was singing backing vocals with um oh, right. jim fisher who was in um uh, yeah, Fremantle Doctor and stuff. That's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, Greta Skacky, she's a friend of mine. Greta was about 15. Wow. Uh, growing up, and she did, she did a couple of uni play type things. Gorilla Theatre, they called it. Right. Um, so it, it was quite so a... So, yeah, there was a nub of um, creativity happening yeah, in Perth at that time, which is most, most helpful. And there's some great names there, too, including yours being Dave Warner. <laughs> so, and then... What with the move from Perth to the Eastern States, I guess, after you'd been to London and gone through this thought process, um, was that successful for you? Yeah, well, um, London, London itself wasn't in terms of I didn't make any big deals, but I, I was able to clarify my, really clarify my thoughts as to what I wanted to do. Mm. Um, so it was very valuable in that sense, and I met Tony, which alone was. Ex, you know, extremely valuable for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they were two big positives. And I came back and um, I, my original idea was to do uh, something like a theatre show with music. I wanted to kind of do a full on. Well, thing. you mentioned the groups you're in. Yeah. Mothers of Invention and. Um... Uh, well, and another big influence was Ray Davies, and I saw um, the King. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, what was it dishonourable schoolboys or naughty schoolboys or something like that yes, was yes, called, sir. and uh, which was a little a stage show that they did, and I saw that in London. Oh wow! And I really liked the idea of a kind of dramatic event where 
music was integral. So originally, yeah. um, my first show back was called Grim's Back But Are The Screamers, where I, a Grim referred to my, I'd called myself Grim Reaper in Puss. Okay. And I used to have this audience, screaming audience, so I was, that was what that referred to. And um, I did the, uh, did this theatre show with people like Terry Serio, who became a well Oh, yes, of course, actor. Terry. Yep, yep, yeah. J-O-K, he did. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, um, uh, and, and a number of musicians, some of whom went on to be in uh, the suburbs permanently. Yeah. Um, and so the idea was, just looking for where's a good place to park our bottom. Yeah, that's right. We're, <laughs> we're just walking along the back streets here at Manly. Up there's not bad, except I think we'll get the, uh, the wind. The wind. Yeah, yeah, we'll find, um, I think... Um, Lovely back so, Yeah, so well, this it's actually the weather as we're talking about, it's just been oh, that's a, here. yeah, that's a good idea. We can uh, we're squeezing ourselves here on this fence uh, under the, uh, the shade so we can get away from this uh, sun, which is a lot warmer and better day than we expected, uh, Dave. Yeah, yeah, it's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you, you did this theatrical that that was it's like a troubadour thing, I suppose. And was it well, it was, um. Look, no, it wasn't quite that. It was actually like a fully scripted play right. uh, with with um, parts where I would... Uh, there'd be little scenes, vignettes from suburban life where some of us might be playing a dad or, or the kids or or just little talks, and that would lead into a song. Right. And, and what happened was when I started to play live, I realised, look, you couldn't... You know, you just couldn't replicate this all the time, although initially I did have a screen and we did all these slides of Bicton and Perth and I would put those uh, slides up and I would try and do a few of the monologues and things, but it became obvious that people in pubs weren't going to have the concentration to sit there and (laughs) listen like a theatre. So what happened was I started to incorporate the written monologues and dialogue into the songs. So songs like Mugs Game, which Mm. did, did have some already had kind of uh, uh, had evolved into oh, you know whatever I'm going to say on the night can happen on the night yeah uh, there was a structure to them but they ended up being getting a lot more stuff in into them than what had been there and and um, like halftime of the football wasn't in the original song uh, in the original play that, that I did but the idea of incorporating much more lengthy um, monologues to music um, yeah, yeah, it did become that, and that became a trademark of the band, and, and that's kind of where and it came from. Yeah, you know, over the years, Dave, we, we've been um, gratefully receiving um, artists that see the advantages in making comment on Australian life, Australian lifestyle, etc., etc., and you've been one of them, which has been a great awakening, and the fact that you'd come from Perth, I know that when I was living in Melbourne first heard about you, was... A rawness about coming from Perth that um, le- yeah left you unfettered I guess in some ways because you, you hadn't grown up in, in the eastern states uh, stables you came across as a fresh I know you had you'd been going for a while but but we mm. to us you were fresh and you had some really great things to say and do so what would you make of what's happening now in Australia? What would you you're still writing obviously yeah you must have a song coming to you each day with some of the that's going on at the moment. Oh, well, of course, you know, um, but uh, I'm also writing books now, so I, I, don't, right. I yeah, don't get as much time to write songs. Mm-hmm. And 
you know, look, the, the depressing thing is writing songs. I, I love doing it, but it's hard to get any financial recompense from it. You get yeah, nothing from right, streaming right. and Spotify. And yeah. I would love to get a younger audience, but I don't know if that's ever possible, you know, if mm. that's practical. Mm-hmm. So for me and for, you know, what, what, what are termed heritage acts, mm-hmm. we're stuck in this thing where we'd like to, I'm sure, you know, we write songs, we'd like to write songs. Mm-hmm. Our old fans tend to only want to hear the old songs. The new fan, the new yes. younger people aren't interested in us because we're just old dinosaurs. Yes. So um, it, in that sense, it becomes fairly frustrating if you if you really want to try and you know, crack it by writing new material. Has it got to stop, do you think, this, this business? Because I know... I wrote a song that was quite successful overseas, and or um, well, co-wrote it, and um, got sweet bugger all. Yeah, I, look, I, I think I can't see that there's going to be any immediate change now that with the streaming stuff. Mm, but mm. The, it, it is, as you say, Greg, uh, it has really disempowered musicians and creators mm, mm-hmm. because I, I don't blame people. Um, streaming stuff rather than buying but even with downloading which was nowhere near as good as people buying your album and stuff mm-hmm. at least you got something uh, with streaming you, you know you're lucky to get a third of a cent yeah that's, someone, right. that's exactly someone right plays your track yeah, yeah and, and yeah. in terms of where the australian music's going well quite obviously we're kind that we're now in this uh totally pan-national um situation where bands are just trying to write stuff to sell to the to everyone out there because some, somebody in New Jersey or <laughs> o- Oklahoma or Nottingham is going to hear you just as easily as your local people That's and right, so yeah. songwriters and, and musicians are, are playing are, are writing much more pan-national things that I know I, I was even saw in uh, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it was yeah, in Spotify yeah. one of them yeah. they had the things of you know, don't make these mistakes, or, or uh, when you're writing a song, and, and so and so that the, what they wanted people to do was to write a song that anyone in the world could understand. In other words, write something that's so bland and boring, uh, and boring oh, that you've heard a million times yeah, that yeah, any yeah. anyone in the world can relate to. Well, Isn't I'm not that, interested in doing that. No, that's right, <laughs> and I think I think that's right. Good on you, Dave, because you know you look at some. Um, some of the great successful songs and artists over the years, and they'll sing about local things, you know, be it Dire Straits singing about London yeah, or, yeah. or Skyhooks or you singing about Melbourne and Perth. And and I, I think people appreciate that. You don't want to hear stuff that's just... You don't want to hear stuff that's... What do they say? Vanilla, I yeah, guess. Yeah, well, you, you hear it constantly, and, and particularly in, uh, um, you know, oh God, Jason Derulo and these people, they drive me up the wall, they really do. Mm. So, um, look, good luck to them. They're, they're making a lot of money, but... To me, yeah, that's it's not what um, it's not where the fun of of music is for my generation, and certainly for me writing it, I just find it too impossible to you know to even write in that style. Would have been a great contributor to Australian culture, <laughs> a great contributor, and a great ref, great mirror too. It's like holding up a mirror a lot of the times too, which is the thing that really latched a lot of people onto your stuff too. So, what about with the writing of the books? Is that much more a serious thing for you now? Um, Oh, yeah, look, they're both serious in the sense that when I mm. sit down to write, I want to do the best job that I possibly can. Yes. Um, the, the, the books don't exactly... It's not like they're going to produce me income. If I if I wasn't um, of a situation where I had some money saved and the kids weren't now old enough to look after themselves, there's no way I could support a family mm. on, the, on the earnings that I get from writing books. Mm. However, I'm fortunate enough to be in a position where I can set aside two months or three months write a book yes, and yes. you know if if the money dribbles in over the course of five or six years don't worry about me i'm just standing it for my yeah, back well, <laughs> well let's let's move on let's that's keep walking so yeah and, um, and that, that's fine and so um it's all it's all serious in that sense greg and then i do the best job that i can i've 
got a couple of books. Um, uh, one's out in will be out in August that I finished over two years ago. Mm. But that's the delay that it. Can What's happen. the name of that one? That's called After the Flood. Very appropriate. Oh, that's after right. Yes, what yes, we've yes, had yes, here. yes, yes. And um, that makes use of my detective Dave Clement, who we um, I introduced in 2015. Right. Uh, this will be the third book that I've done of him. But um, I've also written another book that I'm very excited about. Mm. That, uh, the publishing house Fremantle Press have just said yes we want to do it so that's good and that'll be the Fremantle next... oh that's good yeah and yeah. Uh, and that one's called Summer of Blood and oh. it's it's set in 1967 in San Francisco featuring a couple of Australian cops that I used in one of my early books right Big Bad Blood right and they um, they find themselves in San Francisco looking for a young Australian guy who's gone missing okay and uh, and it enables me to take them through that's right. the, the summer of love. Um, one of them uh, meets with and has a fling with Janice Joplin, and oh. uh, so we, that was great fun to research the places where bands were playing. And I kept thinking, gee, I would have loved to have been at the Fillmore that night when um, yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> Country yeah. Joe launched, and yeah, launched their album, and and, and Janice was backing wow. exactly. All Grateful Dead were playing with. So Buffalo one of the characters has a, has an affair, a fling <laughs> with Janice, and jeez, yeah. that's a. So that's um, after the flood and um, the other one of blood. Um, Big bad blood was Big, yeah. was the first of that was my second novel actually, yep. and that um, featured two detectives, and I've brought them back for ah, this excellent. for this one. Excellent. So we'll just see how windy we go. Yeah, that's right. And um, it might be all. we'll see once we get up there how windy it is. So. Yeah, we're walking towards the ocean now, and um, beautiful blue sky here in Manly. Um, Dave Warner, of course, famed musician, songwriter, and, and author. Um, yeah, books. Of course, you can do anything with with books you want to with characters, and you're obviously someone that has a lot of imagination, and which allows you to, to delve into that side of things. Well, that's what I loved. Always loved reading books, and, and I love writing them for that for that reason. I also write film and television, but yeah. there, unfortunately, you're restricted by a budget in Australia. America, it might be different, but for yeah. us in Australia. And um, so with books you can let it fly and whatever you want. And I, I like writing about ear, yeah, things yeah. things that eras that appeal to me or things that characters that I like. So my my previous book had Sherlock Holmes and Watson, and um, that was set in New York, 2020, mm. and uh, was called Over My Dead Body. And I had this idea back in 2003, and I wrote it up as a film script. Yeah, what if um, it was contemporary times and Watson was a female scientist who, in following the journals of her um, her late great-great-grandfather... How good is that? ...comes across this frozen body and defreezes it, which is Sherlock Holmes. So that was the kind of premise. It's a... And it sounds a bit sci-fi, but in actual fact... um, I'll have to start reading. These sound very, uh, very interesting... Oh, there's a lot of humanity yeah, in it, you know, and, yeah. and that's the thing. You can, you can start with any premise, but it, I think... I, I'm not a big fan of sci-fi itself, but if it comes back to the humanity of how would that character act, and, and for, in that one, for example, I've, it was not dissimilar to writing what it's like to be in your 60s in Australia now, because it was like, OK, I'm thinking of, if I'm Sherlock Holmes and I've, I've been dead since 1881 or 1891... Um, and I come back and there's planes and all this. Now, he's a great intellect, so he can, he'll get his head around that quickly. But um, 
what's you know what are the things that what are the things that amuse you? What are the things that dislocate you from your time? And uh, yes, you know, yes, so yes, yes. Sherlock, ideas of the idea of milking a carton was quite, That's you know, <laughs> things we, we we do now and take for granted. Of course, they lived in a completely different time, and yep, it's right, completely different mindset, I guess, in some ways. And now you're living in Manly. It's um, I I, I lived here for a few years back in oh, 20, no, eight, 15 years ago. Um, it's a lovely spot. And, and your family's happy here, and you seem to have landed on your feet, Dave, with a lot of things. And um, you're a happy man. Well, the Sydney Swans, forget about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm a happy man. Um, apart from the fact that you know, the, the advances of age make you realise, uh, you know, how good things were before you, before you were older. <laughs> so there is that element to it. And the last two years, for everybody, I'm sure, have been a bit of a struggle. And uh, yeah. It's been incredible, but we've uh, we've mastered it. We hope, um, and um, it's been a test of the human character, I guess, and that's 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 something. And um, we've come through that. So, Dave, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you on the first diary of an independent publisher. This is well, it's history. That's what it is. <laughs> so, thanks, and uh, I've long wanted to catch up with you uh, over the years, and we've finally done it. We're both uh, both a bit older than we were back then, of course. <laughs> Thank you so much. So keep an eye out for Dave's um, Dave's music and also his his books. And uh, once again, what's the, the name of the book that's coming out? Uh, After the flood. That's out in yep. August. Yep. And and if there are anybody, you know, look, I'm I'm always happy if anybody's bought my albums or my books and want to engage and chat. Or as long as they're not abusive, I'm <laughs> I'm happy to chat with them and they can they can look up my website, which is not that hard to remember. DaveWarner.com.au couldn't get much simpler that's good isn't it and uh, they yeah, can yeah. sign up to a mail list or drop me a message on that and um, I'd be happy to chat with them yeah. and go go swans yeah yeah go the swannies <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> that's, uh, thanks Dave